welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is the champion, Court wins it. I will never win a gold medal in anything, Katie. Never, ever, ever. That's the opening ceremony bell. Oh, good Lord. We're pouring it on thick today, aren't we? <laughs> We're talking about the Olympics. Of course we are. I mean, this is exciting. I remember as a kid getting so excited talking about the Olympics are coming. The Olympics are coming. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because of the whole coronavirus thing or or if it's just, you know, just a general blah, but yeah, I haven't been able to get as like amped up about these Olympics as I usually get. Well, so. maybe I'll amp you up on this episode. It's going to it's going to be fun. But I mean, a lot of people are wondering why are the Tokyo Games like why haven't they been canceled yet? And the answer really lies in billions of dollars, years of work, thousands of athletes who can't wait any longer. And don't you worry, Court, I've got some hard numbers to throw at you about really how the math works out and why they can't cancel the games. Okay, well, throw away. <laughs> well, not yet. So we are actually <laughs> talking about the Summer Olympic Games known as, okay, I'm, that's already a word that I know I'm going to butcher. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, there are lots of Greek mythology. Greek words. Greek words. <laughs> there are a lot of foreign countries, names, names and stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I apologize if my Southern drawl butchers poorly so many of these different names. Yes, let's do blame it on your Southern drawl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or the fact that I phonetically pronounce a lot of things and that's not always how they're pronounced. Okay, so the Summer Olympic Games, also known as the Games of Olympiad. The right? Olympiad. Olympiad. Um, it's a major international multi-sport event normally held every four years, but the games were first held in 1896 in Athens, Greece, and were most recently held in 2016 in Rio, Brazil. Yes, Rio de Janeiro. Remember all the drama in Rio? Like the swimming pools had algae forming in them, and oh, the, the things were falling apart, all, this, all the stages. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a shame because, I mean... That could have been an absolutely beautiful setting to have some some Olympic Games, but uh, they 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 were struck by some problems. That's for sure. Yeah. So okay. Well, the games are actually going to span a total of seventeen days, from the opening ceremony on July twenty third to the closing ceremony on Sunday, August eighth. A handful of baseball, softball, soccer games are slated to be held a little bit earlier on July 21st and 22nd. Those are like the pregame games. Pregame games, yes. Mm. Um, in total, the Tokyo Games will feature 339 events across 33 sports. That's a lot of threes. There are some things <laughs> in there that aren't actually sports. I dare you to prove me wrong. (laughs) Well, there actually is going to be six new sports at the Tokyo Olympics, four of which are making their Olympic debut. Karate, skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing. Wait a second. So you mean to tell me that some of the other sports that are in there are are not debuting for the first time? Yeah. That's ridiculous because they're not sports. (laughs) So they're like blending the X Games with the Olympics this year. A little bit. Listen, I'm all for, I mean, sport climbing could be really fun to watch. And surfing and skateboarding, those are really cool. Karate, especially if they start bringing in some karate kid stuff, man, I'm all (laughs) about it. Well, so the other two they're bringing back or bring or having is baseball and softball are returning to the Olympic program after previously being cut. Yeah, I don't even know. I, you know, it was like it was like softball. Softball is here. It's here. It's here for the first time. And the U.S. women's team is great, and they were, and we all got excited. And then it seemed like it was cut just very briefly after that. 
And now it's back again. Okay, I got a bad example, but it's kind of, I guess, like the McRib. I mean, I've, I've never liked the McRib, but the McDonald's is like, oh, the McRib is out. And then they take it away. Oh, I have a and friend. And then it comes back. <laughs> I have a friend on Facebook every time. I mean, he, I think he knows the schedule of when it's going to come back, you know, in limited release. But now at this point, everyone knows it's not. It's just, it's always going to come back at some point. It's mm. a very disturbing piece of culinary art. Yeah. <laughs> It is really kind of an art piece if you look mm-hmm. at it because it's it's all the the that that meat slab whatever that is it's it's sculpted to look like ribs. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> <Bone and all. laughs> anyways, there are several new events in existing sports such as three on three basketball and mixed gender relays in swimming and track and field. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. So I don't know if we told you or not, but this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk about all things Olympics, but we're going to try and throw some stuff out there that. Maybe you might not hear of, you know, we're not going to go down all the history, but kind of the fun goofs and how it's impacted pop culture. But what about our list, Katie? We got a list, of course. We've got to talk about the movies that have featured the Olympics or have been about Olympians. Okay, so Cameron, we'll go ahead and let go ahead and let you have the first Ooh. one. Ooh. Ooh, okay, yeah, okay. Chariots <laughs> of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember on our Oscars episode, this was one of my favorite yeah. uh, scores that won. Or was it movie? Oh, you've put me on the spot. I think it was movie, but it also won for score. Yeah, it, yeah it won Best Picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's a it's a great movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I know I I just figured I'd throw that Thanks. bone to you because you know you had to know I was participating today. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people, if you haven't seen the movie, you at least have seen the beach scene reenacted. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll take the next one since I'm the only person in this room that was actually alive for the original Miracle on Ice. It's Miracle 2014 starring Kurt Russell. It's the uh, it's the retelling of the famous US hockey team which was made up of US amateur hockey players beating Russia in not the finals but in the semifinals ah. in the in, in the semifinals of the uh, of the uh, medal tournament. Um, of course Russia back in the day back in the 80s their their athletes were all basically it was it was widely acknowledged that their athletes were basically all professional athletes that did nothing but do play their sport year round, and uh, this was back when America did not have pros in the Olympics, and the Olympics did not allow pros, and so our basketball team was all amateurs, our hockey team was all amateurs. It was all college players. You could not be a professional uh, player and play in the Olympics. Um, and, uh, we won. You're just giving all kinds of things away that I had later on in the episode. Okay. Sorry, but it's a good movie based on (laughs) an even better, uh, sports story. So it's exciting and fun to watch. Okay. Well, mine is Downhill Racer, 1969. This is Robert Redford. And this is about an American skier who refused to listen to his teammates and his coach. It also has Gene Hackman in it. What about 2017's I, Tanya? Starring Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. Oh, that was yes. a funny movie. Disturbing and funny. Yeah. I never actually saw the movie, but I do remember the ice skating incident for sure. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that one. Okay. So, in other words, that was Katie's way of telling me to shut up. Was it Nancy Kerrigan whose yeah. kneecaps she yep. was after? Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. <gasps> Apparently, we're just I'm ruining... So stop it! Stealing all of Katie's thunder. So, we'll just move on to a fictional movie. An amazing movie ever! Ah! <laughs> I Kiss love the this egg. movie! <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, 
Okay, say it. Okay, it's Cool Runnings. It's Cool Runnings. Jamaican bobsled team. Oh my gosh. I loved this movie so much as a kid and still love it today. It's just, you know, Sanka, you dead yet? No, man. (laughs) Like, such a great movie. And John Candy. John Candy. Why was he in just the best movies? I mean, it's just, it was such a great one. It's about the Jamaican bobsled team. And then the Olympics were in Calgary that year. So, of course, you've got Jamaicans freezing their booties off. And like the scene, I reference Sanka all the time when it's about he puts on literally all of his clothes, including his duffel bag, because there have been times I've been that cold and I've been like, yeah, I just need a duffel bag and be like him. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Okay, so I, I have nothing. I, since, since you sort of stole <laughs> the whole Cool Runnings thing, I'm just going to go ahead and and also say the name of the next one, but then I'm going to let you describe it since you just watched it. Okay. It's a fox catcher. Yes. So I actually watched this last night while I was working on prepping this outline. And um, this is not a feel good movie. It uh, came out in 2014. Uh, Channing Tatum, Mark Ruffalo, and Steve Carell. It is about a millionaire who kind of has this wrestling camp set up. And true story, two brothers that were wrestlers. And Steve Carell's character or person in real life ended up actually killing one of the brothers. Mm, it's not yeah. a spoiler because it's real life. It happened. So, okay. So, yes. Hmm. It, it's, it's not, I would not suggest watching it at 10 o'clock at night like I did because then you, you don't get a night, good night's sleep. You're no. just kind of, well, yeah. I don't Ugh, get good night's do sleep anyway, but let's moving on. All right. This next one I have never seen, and this is the first time ever hearing about it as I'm reading. <laughs> this is the last time you guys let me on a list. Uh, 1998's, Without Limits. Uh, yes, it's about course. the 1972 Summer 1972 Olympics. 1972 Summer Olympics. Is it a running movie? It's a running movie. Yeah. Right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, next is 2016's Eddie the Eagle. Eddie Egan uh, took home gold in boxing, and then he later earned a gold medal at the 1932 Lake Placid Games in Team Bobsled. Woo-hoo! So he is one of only two people to have won gold in both Winter and Summer Olympic Games. Yeah, it was played by, oh, I can't pronounce, I don't remember his name, the guy that played Elton John in Rocket Man. Ah, uh, yes. Taron, Taron. Edger, Ed, Ed, Ed. Nope, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, the next one, we've got another running one, Race 2016, and it's about 1936 Track and Field. And then we're going... It is Cam's turn. Uh, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> 2007's Blades of Glory. Did you guys see that? That is a oh, funny yes. movie. Yes. With uh, Will Ferrell. And Napoleon Dynamite. John, John Heater, I think is his name. Yeah. Oh, but so funny. Ice skaters and uh, their final scene that they skate to. They're both men. And they do this romantic <laughs> skating routine to the Aerosmith song from... Armageddon? Armageddon. Oh. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't, don't want to miss a thing. Nope. I miss you, babe. And I know. There's a lot of missing in that oh, Lord. Lord, good Lord. Save them all. Save everybody that's listening from us. Um, okay, so the next one I'm going to admit is actually a guilty pleasure of mine. It's a movie called The Cutting Edge. And it was an ice skating movie as well. It was. It took itself a little bit more seriously than Blades of Glory, I have to admit. But it was still kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of cheesy and sappy. Um, D.B. Sweeney and... Um, Moira McTaggart, maybe? I can't remember if that's her name. But anyway, uh, I always thought she was a cutie. And uh, I don't know where he went, but... Uh, <laughs> a cutie. Uh, she, she's she's kind of a thing. She's like a... She's a cutie, you know? It's just sort of a thing. Anyway, they she played a, an ice skating who was a, a partner's skating. What do they call it? Doubles? Doubles. <laughs> Is it doubles? Anyway... <laughs> 
She needed a new partner. Her coach couldn't find a, her a partner because everybody in the ice skating world hated her. So her coach went out and find her, found her a, a, an ice hockey player who could no longer play hockey. And then they proceed to teach him how to be a figure skater. Quack, 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 quack. Okay, this is D2, the Mighty Ducks. Court, have you watched it yet? No, I have not. Oh, okay, his daughter no. is going to... Have you watched to The Office yet? Quack! She's going to Oregon, which is Ducks. I know it's not the same Ducks, but yeah, still... Yeah, it's not at all the same I ducks. don't care. D2, The Mighty Ducks, and don't... Like, yes, the Disney show is great, but you've got to watch the original. This is about a bunch of misfits who put together this great hockey team, and they get to go to the Olympics. And this is where... I use this a lot. This is where we all learned as kids the difference between Iceland and Greenland. No, Greenland is covered in ice, and ice is covered in green. Yeah, I didn't. That's not where I learned. Come on, that, Cam, help I, me out I, here. Because I, I went to a real school. I'm trying to Google a what you call school? ice. I'm trying to Google what you call ice skaters who are couples. <laughs> I, have no I think it's couples. Oh. I think it's couples, couples. skating, not it's doubles. Couples it's skating. couples. It's couples skating. Moving on. So, why is the Olympics happening with all this controversy and the pandemic? Well, money. So Tokyo, Tokyo's new national stadium stands, if it was left empty, that would be a $15.4 billion investment down the drain. Mm, that was a lot. Be, that would make me sad. But yeah, that would be a lot. And it's the thing is because when you, when you are a host country or city or whatever it ends up being, like you have a lot of publicity around this. There's a lot of branding. There's a lot of money built up of your hotels, of your tourism, of ev restaurants, everything. And think about, okay, a $4 billion in TV rights income that comes in, mm -hmm. a $1.25 of U.S. broadcasting rights. And the thing is, if they were to postpone, that would be 15,500 athletes that are forced to put their life on hold again. Think about it. You've got to then recommit to another 12 months of training, delay marriage plans, college enrollments, events, to ha chances to have kids. You've worked for this dream so much, and then you're put on hold again. Yeah, I mean, you're you know, one year older, like all of this played you just into picture, it. You picture the opening ceremony with all those teams marching into the stadium and how many people are there, and it's mm -hmm. a ton of people. So, yeah, you know, it would be it would be a lot of athletes that would probably be heartbroken, but... Yes. Yeah. The very first Olympics were held, uh, as I said before, or 1896 in Athens, Greece, and roughly cost... The very first modern... Modern, Olympics. yes. Modern. Um, it cost roughly about $448,000 compared to the most recent in Rio, 2016, which cost a whopping $13.1 billion. Billion dollars. Hey, Court. Yes, ma'am. When you think about the Olympics and you think about sponsors... Who do you think about? Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm partial to the hey, they like Express. They like polar bears. Oh, do they? Would it be Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola. Or is it Visa MasterCard? Coca-Cola has been a sponsor since 1928, the Olympic Games in Amsterdam. So Coke has still been, has been a sponsor that long. So, yes, the polar, the polar bears are full supporters of the Olympics. Mm. So one of these things I was very curious about is, you know, when you are get an invitation to go to the Olympics, you're not paid. It's not one of those. You've got to get yourself there. You've already had to pay so much money to train to make yourself in the position where you could be invited. But then it's not cheap. As you said, all those people that come out 
and you're out there, you want to have your trainer, you want to have everybody around you, your support system to make sure you're at your absolute best. I mean, what if you're on a team, though? I mean, then you've got the coach. Surely you're not having to, to pay to have the coach go out there if you're if you're on the women's soccer team, for yeah. instance. Well, if you had seen Mighty Ducks and you sit there and think about te- um, when Hendrix comes in and is going to sponsor Team USA, and so they have to change all their logo because this sponsor is going to come in and help them pay their way to get there. So there's a lot of endorsements and sponsorships. So really, the Olympics and pop culture have always been a very nice, tightly little married thing. And so they all work together. Mm, Yes. So I want to kind of go through, let's go back in time and talk about over the past, you know, 100 years, I guess. Yeah, we're about Um, about out of century. uh, The Olympians impact on pop culture. Okay. Okay. Sure. Let's do this. You start. Um, Austro-Hungarian hunk, Johnny Weissmuller? Hey, sure. I'm, I'm he, calling a win. He won five gold medals for swimming, and Hollywood took notice. MGM cast this swimwear model in the Tarzan, the Ape Man, in 1932, and the brawny stud eventually made a dozen Tarzan movies, five more for MGM, and six for RKO. Yes, very famous swimmer, actually. I mean, uh, very, very well-known swimmer. Probably uh, the, in, in America, I would say there may be two other male swimmers that are more famous than him, but he's, he's a pretty famous one. So, huh. What about 1928 to 1936? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, uh, that would be eight years, four years after making her Olympic Debut at age 11, Norwegian figure skater Sonja Heine won the first of her three consecutive gold medals in 1928. But it was her glamorous persona that made the one-in-a-million star Hollywood's highest-paid actress in the 1930s and landed her the July 1939 cover of Time. Even Adolf Hitler was a big fan. Alas, she was known for being a fan of his, too, which is why her film career was the next (laughs) thing to end up on the ice. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that's not a good PR move. <laughs> okay, 1932. Oh. So, I remember in Ted, the movie, uh, there was Flash Gordon. You thought that was a real Flash Gordon? Well, Buster Crab? 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 Sure. Um, he his gold medal in the 400 meter freestyle it put Hollywood on notice, and apparently he was pretty good looking as well. He was a regular lord of film series, first as Tarzan, then as Flash Gordon in 1936, and then as a sci-fi hero, Buck Rogers. Ooh. So the three most popular comic strip heroes in the 1930s. Yes. I loved Buck Rogers, but not that one. I loved the one that came out when I was a kid. You weren't a kid in 1936? <laughs> no. No, I was not. <laughs> Okay, what you got next? Two-time gold medalist, speed skater Irving Warren Jaffe back in 1932. Stumped for camel cigarettes, of course, because when you're an Olympic athlete, what do you do? You, <laughs> you go smoke out and cigarettes. <laughs> you go out and you you, uh, you you be a spokesperson for some ciggies. Uh, the ad read, it takes healthy nerves for Jaffe to be the world's champion skater. Steady smokers turn to camel. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I... Love old smoking ads. Old, old cigarette ads are ridiculous with the claims that they made. So this is this is perfect that it was an Olympian and he was like, yes, it calms my nerves before I go out and speed skate. Oh, yeah. 
1960, sprinter Wilma Rudolph overcame a twisted left foot caused by polio, won three gold medals. She was deemed the fastest woman in the world, and even Denzel Washington's second-ever acting role was playing her husband in the TV movie Wilma. Okay, never seen it. What about this? You remember 1960? Young yeah, man yeah. by the name of Cassius Clay. Oh, I think I heard of him. One light heavyweight gold. He didn't change his name to Muhammad Ali for another five years, but he was absolutely a superstar. Basically, from the moment he hit the boxing scene, he was huge. Huge. And uh, then, of course, Will Smith ended up playing him in a movie. But everybody knows who Muhammad Ali is, right? I mean, everybody still knows who he is, right? Yeah, yes. I think so. 1968, Trey Anastasios. Catch, sure. Catchy bordering on creepy tune, Peggy, is about figure skater, skater Peggy Fleming, who won a gold medal. Awesome. Okay, 1968, there was a dashing French skier, French skier, Jean-Claude Killy, a.k.a. the Chocolate Kitty. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, won three gold medals in Grenoble. Uh, and then cashed in on his suave Frenchman allure playing a thickly accented ski instructor in 1972's Snow Job. Ooh. And being sponsored by Champagne Purveyor Moet and Chandon. That's best, a good champagne. Uh, best of all, though, he played himself in the 1983 comedy Copper Mountain starring Jim Carrey and Alan Thicke. Never heard of it. Never seen it. Don't know what it's about. <laughs> but sure, why not? Okay, 1976. Fella named Bruce Jenner, now yep. Caitlyn Jenner, mm-hmm. uh, won the decathlon. It was on the Wheaties box, went being the Wheaties really meant something. So that was a big deal. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm sure having a Wheaties box with Bruce Jenner on it nowadays would be worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I, I imagine so. Um, okay. Well, what about another figure skater? Because we don't have enough of those. Um, <laughs> Dorothy Hamill won gold, did that in 76. So did her Bob haircut. Which uh, was sort of the do there for a while. Oh, um, yeah. I definitely remember Dorothy Hamill's do. Yeah, so many may remember the Rachel from Friends. Everybody wanted that haircut. But yeah, back in the 70s, I guess everyone wanted the Dorothy Hamill. Okay, let me take this next one. Okay, go for it. she is one of my favorite Olympians ever. This is the first Olympics that I remember watching. Like, I remember the Winter Olympics in 1980, but uh, U.S. did not go to the Summer Olympic, Olympics in 1980. We boycotted them because they were hosted by Russia. So... I don't remember the first Summer Olympics that I remember is in 1984. And the star of those Olympics, uh, in my mind, I think in most people's minds, was Mary Lou Retton. She was... She was a gymnast. She was on the gymnast. She was on the gymnastics team, and she she just she was amazing. I remember watching her at the qualifiers before the Olympics, and then we watched her during the Olympics. I absolutely, I was a kid in 1984. I was what? I was just barely like 10 or 11 years old, something like that. I was absolutely in love with Mary Lou Retton. And she was the first female to appear on a Wheaties box, only 60 years after the cereal was rolled out. Oh. Also in 1984, the gold winnings U.S. men's gymnastic team was headed up by Mitch Gaylord, who went on to marry and later divorce Playboy playmate Deborah Driggs, starred in American Anthem, and served as Chris O'Connell's stunt double in Batman Forever. Hmm. He got himself a Playboy playmate. Interesting. Oh, you get another figure skater. Okay. <laughs> well, who doesn't remember Katarina Witt? Uh, she was the toast of Sarajevo and Calgary. Uh, then she modeled and showed up in films like Jerry Maguire and Ronan. Um, but the final confirmation that Vit was super hot, and I don't know why we need confirmation that she was super hot, because she was super hot, uh, came in 1998 when she stripped down for Playboy. 
I mean, I'm not saying I have that issue, but let's just say I have that issue. <laughs> it was the second ever issue of the Decades Old Magazine to sell out. The first, of course, was Miss Marilyn Monroe. That's that's pretty amazing. That's, yeah. I didn't know that. That's 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 pretty that's that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, nineteen ninety two, future dancing with the stars champ, Christy Yamaguchi, one figure skating gold. Okay. Well that was kind of a short one, wasn't it? Yeah. Everybody remembers Christy. Everybody yeah. loved Christy. Come on. I think Christy was the first one I really remember. Okay. Well, there's uh that's okay. Yeah, nineteen ninety two. I can see that. Uh, I was, <laughs> I graduated from high school, but whatever. 1992 was, was also four. the first summer that professionals were allowed to play in the summer games. Oh, so you and, talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, the most famous uh, professional team, of course, to, at least for Americans, uh, was known as the Dream Team. It was the NBA superstars playing at the time. So it was Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Irving Magic Johnson. Um, I think I think Scottie Pippen was on the team. I mean, it, it, it was it was it was all of the superstars except for one. Um, the, the Detroit Pistons uh, at the time had a, a guard by the name of Isaiah Thomas, and uh, legend goes that Michael Jordan basically said, nah, it's either me on the team or him on the team. Ooh. And so Isaiah Thomas was not on the team, despite being one of the premier point guards. You're making me want to watch The Last Dance again. <laughs> I know. It's I so love that show. <laughs> well, so actually, because of this dream team, the catchphrase dream team became a handy way to describe an impressive group of people. It actually was used a couple years later to describe murder suspect O.J. Simpson's defense attorneys. Okay. Okay, 1994. Do you remember Oksana Bayul? Uh, well, I'm glad you said it. I, I thought That's I was That's another figure skater. Go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So apparently, I have a thing for figure skaters because I do. I do remember a lot of them. Oksana Bayul won the gold that year. She was not an American. She beat Nancy Kerrigan in uh, in the Winter Games in the figure skating uh, solo figure skating. Um, of course, Nancy Kerrigan is of uh, of particular fame because we mentioned that movie earlier. I Tanya Tanya mm-hmm. Harding. Um, her boyfriend at the time clubbed Nancy Kerrigan in the knee after the, I think the qualifiers, the American qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, clubbed her in the knee to, in a sort of a, a really sad attempt to try and get Tanya, you know, to, to be the, the favorite uh, to, to win. And uh, of course that tarnished uh, Tanya's career significantly. Uh, Nancy came back and was able to escape. And then she went on to host Saturday Night Live. Uh, and then, of course, Tanya has just been the butt of a lot of jokes. Yep. Okay, 96. Dan O'Brien's finally equaled the hype, winning the decathlon, getting the Wheaties box. Then he was free to show off his um, pole vaulting muscles in a very revealing, and I've seen this picture, ladies and gentlemen, Versace campaign. It is It is one of those pictures when it was on my computer. I just kept scrolling, and I'm like, oh, is this going to keep going? Because it just cuts off and, yeah, yeah, let's just do I don't know that. what you're referring to. I'm probably <laughs> happy I haven't seen it. Carrie Strug, of course, was, I don't know why this says, our, our script here says that it was her infamous second vault, which helped the U.S. women's team secure gold, but resulted in her being carried to the podium. It was her ticket to parody heaven. She made an upright appearance. 
I guess that means standing up. She 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 was standing in Beverly Hills 90210, but Sports Center commercial featuring the anchors carrying the wee gymnast around was better. And I totally remember that commercial, and it was absolutely better. But I loved that. I loved that was another that was uh, 1996. This was the summer after I graduated from college, and I absolutely remember the team. And her doing that vault on an injured foot. Turns out that the reason I guess they say it was infamous is because they made a big deal out of the fact that she did her second vault and it was on an injured ankle. And um, she absolutely landed it. It was a phenomenal vault, especially if she was injured. There were people, naysayers afterwards, that said she didn't actually have to do that vault for the team to secure victory. But... I mean, she did it. She landed it. She absolutely nailed it. So, I mean, give her some props. And then, yeah, she did get carried around by her coach for the rest of the for the rest of the night up until this, the the uh, the the medal ceremony. Well, in '98, uh, Johnny Mosley, gold medalist, uh, went on to actually host the Real World Road Rules Challenge. Okay, then. Go from gold medal to that show. Sure, why not? Apollo Anton Ono, he was a speed skater, but he was a short track speed skater. Um, Started his journey with a 1500 meter race. Has since draped seven other medals around his neck en route to becoming the most decorated Winter Olympics athlete of all time. If you can believe that. And, of course, he won the first Olympian to host Dancing with the Stars. Hoist. Hoist. He won. He won the Dancing with the Stars Mirror Ball Trophy. Well, my goodness. I, don't, <laughs> I can't believe I messed that one up. Okay, here we go. Somebody you all know, I'm sure, pretty well. 04 to 08. Let us forget. Let's us forget Michael Phelps. Yes, we all know about Michael Phelps with the Olympi- Olympics. He has won so much. The most decorated Olympian of all time. He has Subway, Kellogg's, Visa, Omega Watches, Pure Sport Beverages. Kellogg did drop Phelps after a photo surfaced in 09 of him holding a bong. Mm. Oh, well. Mm. I think we've moved on from that. <laughs> uh, I think Phelps, Phelps is doing okay now. Um, yeah, I'm not worried already, about him. Yeah. Uh, having already conquered the X Games, uh, Sean White otherwise known as the Flying Tomato, was a snowboarding (laughs) superstar, made his Olympics debut in um, the Turin Olympics, and subsequently dominated the halfpipe. He got his own video game, the craftily titled Sean White Snowboarding in 2008, (laughs) and then mastered the halfpipe again in in Vancouver. Uh, Talk about not bothering to tip the scales in one's favor. The well-endorsed Rolling Stone fronting heartthrob only competes in that one event. Mm. The half bite. Yeah, I remember him from uh, the Friends with Benefits movie with JT and Mila Kunis. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think I remember that too, vaguely. Yeah, because JT was a little threatened because she had had a little fling with Sean White. Ah, okay. Yep. Okay, 08, Sean Johnson, winner of Balance Beam Gold and a medal of the Silver Ranking U.S. Women's Gymnastic Team, went on to win eighth season of Dancing with the Stars. I mean, why are we putting Dancing with the Stars in there so much? I don't know, because it's uh, reality TV. It's pop culture. Okay, so they made a big deal out of Ryan Lochte in 2012. He was going to be this guy that was going to be a challenger to Michael Phelps, and he was apparently, according to the girls, hot. And he turned out to be sort of a disappointment. Anyway, he appeared on Vogue, and uh, he was another... Gosh, 
he he was he was on Vogue with another Dancing with the Stars alum, Hope Solo. Hope Solo. Yeah, what, what, this is three times that Dancing with the Stars has come up in just I know, a few minutes. I know, which uh, <laughs> David Pickler has gotten to, ha- and my husband have gotten to hang out with Hope Solo. Mm. They actually went and played a softball game with Hope, of all things. Well, uh, he was, uh, he was, I, I, I was not ever as, as impressed with Lochte as, as other people were. He ended up, he did okay, but, you know, I think he got in some trouble. Um, he, you know, he's, uh, he was just generally whatever. He was he considered was, He the, was a trend. Yeah. Let's get into some fun facts. Court, did you know that uh, breakdancing will be included in the 2024 Olympics in Paris? Okay. So, mm. this is not a sport. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not, and I don't, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. And I, I danced for 15 years and taught dance. Like I am a passionate dance person, but I don't know about break dancing. Well, now listen, I don't get me wrong for a second because I I have one of my children dances. Um, I love watching dancers. I think they do amazing things and, you know, including break dancing. Um, although I, you know, I'm, when I think of breakdancing, I think of a very specific style. And I like hip-hop, but breakdancing is is even more sort of, you know, pigeonholed in what they do. Or at least yeah. that's the way I think of you it. You know what they should debut at the Paris Olympics? Parkour. That would be you know what parkour is? No. It's like stylish jumping. Like, you know, you've seen the people jump between buildings and like oh, jump up two yeah. sets of walls. And that was founded okay. in Paris. Parkour. Nice. Yes, that would be better than breakdancing. Breakdancing. Yeah. Well, so women have been allowed to compete in the Olympics since the 1900s, but it wasn't until 2012 the London Games were the first Olympics in which all participating countries sent female athletes. Wow. Yeah. It was the holdout. I I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Um, So 1924 to 1992, the Winter and Summer Olympics took place in the same year. And so that's where a lot of us re- remember it was every four years you had the Olympics, and then now it's every two. I absolutely remember that. So it was... Uh, I feel like the Olympics were a much bigger deal when they only came around every four years. You had a build-up to yeah. it, but now it's like, okay, it's happening. Did you also know that uh, in 1912 to 1948, artists participated in the Olympics? You had painters and sculptors and architects, writers, musicians. There there are a lot of sports in the Olympics um, that, that have an artistic element to them the, the the first the first that comes to mind obviously is is ice skating uh, is figure skating um but i'm sure there are some other ones that have an artistic element but i just don't know how you make art just art uh a, a competition that that's going to be given medals and what are they going to do speed painting i, I just i don't <laughs> Maybe. know 1936 Berlin Games, two Japanese pole vaulters tied for second place. Instead of competing again, I mean, this is this is great what they did. They cut the silver and bronze medal in half, fused the two different halves together. So each of them had half silver and half bronze medals. It sounds like they came from a, an oppressive uh, totalitarian regime at the time, and they were probably forced to do that to show solidarity and, um, and be champions for their country's culture. Okay. Japan, 1936. Yes. They were they were part of the axis of, of, of evil. Did you know that the Olympic mascot, that there was an Olympic mascot for the 1972 Games in Munich? Waldy the Dachshund. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I like Dachshunds. 
So the Olympic gold medal is kind of an imposter. It's made in t- most almost entirely from silver, which is approximately six grams of gold to meet the standard layout for the Olympic charter. So when you have that gold medal, it's not really all gold. Hmm. Sorry to burst that bubble. That's a bummer. Athletes in the ancient Olympic Games competed completely in the nude. You're welcome. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> uh, well, in fact, the word gymnasium comes from the Greek word gymnos, meaning nude. As such, the literal translation of gymnasium is school for naked exercise. Yes. So next time you go to your kid's school gymnasium, it's the school for naked exercise. Hot dog. Way to ruin it for me, Katie. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Every time you see an Olympian bite the medal, do you know where that comes from? Yeah. Gold. Okay. Because they're biting. They're They're testing the quality. Yeah. Yeah, Trying to make sure it's not forgery that uh, a lead coin would lead teeth marks and a gold coin would not. Interesting. So we talked about some of these crazy sports that are in the Olympics, but there's some sports that are no longer sports according to the Olympics. The following sports are sadly not part of the Olympics anymore. Solo synchronized swimming. Tug of war, rope climbing, hot air Solo balloon. synchronized swimming. How can you solo <laughs> synchronize swim? You and all your personalities. You just kind of do your own thing. <laughs> uh, tug of war, rope climbing, hot air ballooning. Oh. oh. <laughs> if you saw our Instagram, Kim and I just almost died doing this, but it was fun. Um, dueling pistols. Yeah, now this one intrigues me. Tandem. I mean, were they actually doing pistol duels at I, the Olympics? I guess. Tandem bicycles, swimming obstacle race, and plunge for distance. Luckily, live pigeon shooting was a one-shot and only part of the 1900 Olympics in Paris. Okay, so rope climbing was part of the gymnastics programming at the Olympics in 1896, 1906, 1924, and 1932. Competitors needed to climb a suspended vertical rope using only their hands and arms, no legs allowed, it makes you wonder if their coaches screamed at them from the ground to make it a full childhood gym class experience. Yeah. Well, so the tug of war was international team building picnics. They had these um, eight men teams had to pull their opponents six feet to win. A lot of the UK teams were made up mostly of police officers, and they were a favorite with two gold medals and one silver while the event was around. Mm, at the four Olympic Games between 1928 and 1948, medals were given out for town planning. <laughs> You get a medal for planning your town. You did a good job. Here's it, your gold. Okay, see, it, it fell under the architectural design category of the arts portion of the Olympics. So there we go again with the arts. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, ready, perfect, go. Well, perfect segue. I, I was a perfect seg- segue because I never really thought about this, but Cam, as you know, he is our guru of all things marketing and branding and producing this show, but the Olympic logo, I mean, that the original Olympic logo has been There's around. a whole subculture behind people following these logos around. That Being able to, des- to design the Olympic logo is probably the Super Bowl for designers. Oh, because wow. Because you are literally on the world stage. Every single country is seeing your work. It's awesome. Sounds like a lot of pressure, though. Oh, a ton of pressure. So, so what's your favorite logo? Oh, I have a mini list I've been writing okay. while y'all been recording. Let's hear Hopefully it. Hopefully I didn't miss any uh, curse words or anything I'm supposed to bleep <laughs> out. I may have thrown a couple in there. <laughs> there was that whole debacle with Katarina Witt. So oh, yeah. I love it. Okay, I've got some short lists, the worst and the best. 
So the key with the logo is to keep it simple and keep it timeless. And this worstless obviously did not keep it simple or timeless. So, um, and also I should say as a designer, as an artist, um, I should probably probably be supporting these designers, even if it's bad <laughs> because art is subjective, but I'm just going to lay it all out here. I don't care. All right, number five, 1948 in St. Moritz. Um, this looks like a joyless ride on a Citizen Kane roller coaster of terror. <laughs> it's it's this black and white sun just staring into your soul with all these lines coming out. It's 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 um, something else. Number four would be 2006 Torino. Um, it looks like a 1990s video game logo. It's like these snowflakes that are molding into a Disney castle. It's like like Elsa's nightmare. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, number three would be 2012 London. There was a lot of debate back and forth. A lot of people either hated or loved it. But I think it looks like if the Lion King took place at the X Games. It's like uh, geometric oh, wow. mayhem. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh. Um, number two would be 1968 Mexico. Oh, man. I just need to pull up a picture for y'all. There are like three million lines in this logo that spell out the name Mexico <laughs> as well as... Um, 1968. Do y'all see that chaos? Oh my lord! Oh, no. that's like the it makes me dizzy. Eye trick. Yes. The, oh, oh man. Mm. Yeah, it's so, definitely the. Yeah, look that yeah, one up. Google y'all. that, guys. 1968 it's, Mexico. It's terrible. Yeah. We'll and, be sure to post these logos when we drop this. There you album. go. And the worst <laughs> Olympics logo, in Cameron's humble opinion, is 1992 Barcelona, and it looks like um, well, uh, 1992 clip art. Um, it's like regurgitated <laughs> bright colors, um, and it's ugly as sin. And if the goal was to make a timeless design, they get an F. Oh. Yeah, okay. So uh, to my best list, uh, number five would be 1996 Atlanta. A lot of this is just pure nostalgia because that's the first Olympics I got into. My dad brought us back caps with a logo. Mm. Oh, fine. But it's a cool uh, torch um, with a colorful flame and stars coming out. It looks 90s, but I like it. Mm. Number four would be 2022 Beijing, which has not happened yet, um, but it's colorful, rich, and joyous, and it's like a, a bright ribbon with cool brushed text. Um, number three would be 2004 Athens, and it's this hand-drawn wreath, you know, that they used to wear on their heads, which mm -hmm. is perfect, and it's on uh, like an oil-painted ocean blue background. It's just oh, pure, cool. pure grease. It's, it's tasty. Um, number two, um, actually my number two and number one are both Tokyo, believe uh -huh. it or not. Number two would be 2020 Tokyo. I know it got postponed, uh -huh. um, but it was um, 2020. The zeros made the rings in the Olympic logo, and the last ring was the red sun and the Japanese flag. Oh, mm. It's cool. just so understated and beautiful. And number one would be 1964 Tokyo. The red sun, again, is huge in it, and it just has gold rings and perfect simple um, text. It's understated perfection. So that is Cameron's worst and best logo list. Okay, we're going to kind of wrap this up with the Olympic goofs. So, Court, why don't you start us off with the first goof from the Olympics? 1960. Let me paint a picture for you. It's the Summer Games. It's Rome. There's a runner. His name is Wim Isahas. He was the prize. Say that again. <laughs> Wim Isahas. Ooh. Uh, or it might be Isayas or Isagis, um, because he was the pride of Suriname or, or Suriname or Sur... Who knows? Who knows, who knows what these words are? Um, the first ever athlete to participate in the Olympics from the country. So this, this country, Suriname or Suriname, uh, he was the first athlete ever to participate in the Olympics from there. Um, he was scheduled to compete in the 800-meter race, 
but he was given the wrong starting time. So he decided he decided to take a nap <laughs> and ended up sleeping through his event. That's so bad. So he broke his country's heart. I mean, can you imagine all of these Surinamese who are like, where is, where is Wim? Where is Wim? And he's sleeping. He's taking a night night. Poor oh, guy. Oh, that's Poor so guy. sad. He needed supporters to make sure he was awake. Mm. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and it's uh, they had to wait eight years before they came back. Oh. Okay, well, now let's talk about Thomas Hamilton Brown of South Africa. Lost his opening round match in the lightweight boxing in 1936 Berlin Summer Games. He softened the disappointment of his loss by going on an eating binge. Then it was discovered that there was a scoring error and he had actually won the fight. Unfortunately, he had already put on five pounds and one was unable to get rid of it by the next day's weigh-in. So he was disqualified. That's amazing. To, I mean, just to gain five pounds just from eating in that short a period of time, that's, that's some impressive He went work. on a binger. Wow. 1912, football, baseball, and basketball pro Jim Thorpe, widely considered to be the premier athlete of the 20th century, and later immortalized by Burt Lancaster in Jim Thorpe, All-American, ended up being way ahead of his time, but in an unfortunate way. The winner of the pentathlon and decathlon in Stockholm, legend has it, he said, thanks, King, when Gustav V called him the greatest athlete in the world. Um, okay, so, Thanks, King. <laughs> Thanks, King. Thanks, King. Thanks, buddy. So Thorpe was stripped of his medals, not because he said, Thanks, King. Uh, he was stripped of his medals in 1913 after officials ruled his two seasons of minor league baseball broke the game's amateurs-only policy. Right there you have it, folks. Way back in 1913. No amateurs. I mean, no professionals. Uh, he was making a whopping $2 a day as a pro. <laughs> Wow. So the model, the, the the medals were actually restored restored to him posthumously in 1983, and his name lives on both in history and on film. Mm. 2000 track star Marin Jones was stripped of all five of the medals she won in Sydney after she tested positive for performance enhancing drugs in 06. Later admitted to lying to federal investigators about using the banned substance before the Olympics. She had to forfeit all of her medals she had earned in competition and then spent six months in prison. Yeah, it was a huge, huge disappointment. She she was uh, she was a track star. She was amazing. She was married to a guy who was a I think a weightlifter. Uh, he was also an Olympian, and he was he was also very good. And uh, they got taken down in that huge uh, that huge um, doping scandal back in two thousand and six. Uh, and yeah, she'll she'll never live it down. It's a shame. It's, um, okay, so finally, Hans Gunnar. Lilienwall, a Swedish pentathlete, tested positive for alcohol. He purportedly drank several beers before the pentathlon and was thus suspended from the competition. Now, see, that's just not fair. Well, see, that was 1968, and that was the first ever drug sus- suspension mm. from alcohol. That's, that is, I mean, that just, uh, there is, under no circumstances has anybody ever said that alcohol was a performance enhancer. Yeah, I feel well, like he was trying to get down on other people's yeah, le- level. He, he was, was giving just, them a hand. He was just trying to chill a little bit, have a couple of beers, you know. It's, he's, I mean, isn't there a song, alcohol, making like, people he's, dance or he's, something? He's from Sweden. <laughs> so maybe if you drink alcohol before you break dance, then that's a performance enhancer. Well, I mean, that could be, you know, that could be. <laughs> 
alcohol before dancing should be off limits to all <laughs> all of the people that generally when they haven't had alcohol can't dance yeah okay ladies and gentlemen we've given you a lot of random stuff about the olympics hopefully it hasn't been too boring and yeah. it's been entertaining hope you've had fun we're not going to bullseye it this week because what are we going to do talk about how expensive bulls uh, how expensive the olympics are talk about how court has a thing for figure skaters make a good logo <laughs> Yeah, that's what you got. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's a bullseye for you. Oh, and there's the closing bell. You know what that means. We're done. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to yet another end of yet another episode of Uva Bullcast Podcast. And aren't you glad you made it? If you liked what you heard and this is the first time you're listening, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our voices beam directly into your ears every single week on Thursday. If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie and Cameron, it's about time we had a page on that page for him. Uh, go to bullcastpodcast.com and uh, you can see us and uh, maybe leave us a message, suggest a topic if there's something you'd like to hear. If there is something you'd like to hear us talk about, we also have pictures posted on Instagram. Um, we try and uh, update that on a, at least a weekly basis, especially when uh, we've got a new episode coming out. So check that out. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we have the Twitters. There's all those tweet tweets. And the Twitter handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. Ladies and gentlemen, although I don't think it's actually come up today, we do, in fact, work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors as financial advisors. And if you would like to find out more about that company, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, the financial advisor, please feel free to go to that website. That is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we have given you everything you need to go forth and be merry while watching some Olympics and drinking drinking some beer in honor of that Swedish guy that got (laughs) got disqualified so many years ago. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we out.